Hello and welcome to the Awake 58 podcast. This is Nation Han. Today I had a chance to sit down with David Shockley, president of Surrey Community College and past president of the North Carolina Community College Presidents Association. David and I have a chance to talk through the challenges and opportunities for rural community colleges. Surrey Yadkin Works, a new program that they view as a real bright spot why he believes the need for budget stabilization and faculty pay increases is so vital for colleges just like his, and what's next for him and the institution. Give it a listen. President Shockley, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be with you on this nice wintry and blustery day up in Surrey uh, uh, County, but uh, grateful for this opportunity to meet with you all and to also talk with people across the state about Surrey Community College and the North Carolina Community College system. Excellent. Well, we'd love to hear, you know, you're sitting here mid-February in 2021. You're, we're almost a year into a pandemic uh, as people, as if people need reminding of that fact. Um, you know, where, where is Surrey right now? I mean, what can you describe as the state of the college? Um, it is, the way I would describe Surrey is one, I'm very proud. Um, I'm very proud of the way our team has responded. I'm very proud of our students and the way that they have responded through this adversity. And um, adversity, uh, and it's an old tongue-in-cheek and cliche term, but you have a choice in life when, 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 you, when life beats you down or you have hardships, you have a choice how you respond to that, and either you can wallow in that misery or you get up. You're still miserable, but I think you can get up and you can make good things happen. And so at Surrey, I would say it's been a blessing and a curse. Um, a blessing in that in a lot of ways we've rallied together and uh, my leadership team that has been meeting uh, since March on COVID, we still meet regularly and address the needs of our students and, and figuring out how it happens. I've seen a lot more collaboration. I've seen a lot more creativity in the way that we're doing things and a lot more opportunities for our students. But then the side of uh, the flip side of that coin is that I've also seen a lot of struggling. Um, our failure drop and withdrawal rates have increased uh, with student success. Um, and we do try to track those students and to make sure that it's nothing that we could have done to prevent it. And um, in a lot of those cases, the students just do not learn as well in an online learning environment and or life. They have children at home that are that have not been able to go to school and so and work and trying to juggle their lives. And so as a result, our enrollments have dropped uh, and we've lost about 7% and facing a $1.3 million shortfall in our state budget allocation, uh, effective uh, July the 1st, unless some things happen with the General Assembly or federal dollars that help us kick that can down the road. But that is also gonna be a long-term by our funding model. Even with temporary relief, I know that we're gonna be probably taking four to five years to come out of the effects of COVID uh, and the pandemic has had on Surrey Community College. Well, one of the announcements that you rolled out over the course of the last year that I think you've been working on prior to the pandemic and the work has continued to a Surrey Yatkin Works. What could you tell us about that uh, relatively new project for your college? With uh, all of the momentum and, and wow, just think of right, right before COVID and hate to go back to COVID, uh, we had just attended the kickoff of the My Future NC 
initiative at the Grandover. And so, and there was so much momentum. Uh, and um, and Nation, I was looking at, uh, instead of a $1.3 million loss, I was looking at a $1.1 million increase uh, going into March the 9th. And so how quickly that flipped. But uh, along those uh, efforts, um, this creative energy that I think was being fed from my NC, uh, my future NC, and all these initiatives to work on our workforce development and enrollment growth happening for community colleges, there was a lot of energy. And so um, my peers, and not peer community colleges, but uh, Surrey and Yakin County uh, has four public school systems. We have the Mount Airy uh, City School System, Elkin City School System, Surrey County Schools, and Yakin County Schools. And so we're one of a few counties that have multiple school systems. Uh, and so we had been working together uh, on some different things and trying to meet. And we came up with the idea of taking uh, our individual internship programs and leveraging them together so that our business and industry would have one stop location and it would make it easier for the business and industry. And we created a program where we flip flop the relationship and so that um, we do all of the work for business and industry, sort of like an agency for our students, uh, a placement agency for our students. We prepare the students and then we go out to the business and industry. And so we would come to Ed NC, for example, and say, Nation, do you have any workforce needs that an intern could do, but not just an intern, a paid intern would do. And if you do, uh, we would like to provide you students who have expressed interest in, um, in what you do as a company and have skills as what you do as a company. And here are five resumes. You select and interview the student that you would like to hire for this paid intern. And so we are the one-stop shop for the companies in this region to come to us and we have the students prepared and then we present them and the company hires them just as they would any employee, but these internships are different in that they are paid. And so these students get the opportunity to earn money in a career-related field that they're desiring to go into, and uh, also being able to put the practice in real life and contributing to these companies. These are real positions. They're not just job shadowing. They, they go and they actually perform duties. That's the beautiful part of this and they're applying the theoretical that they learn in the classroom to real world. And while getting credit through the dual enrollment programs, through CCP, uh, through all those programs, uh, it's one of the most amazing things that I have seen and uh, not just because of the cooperative effort, but what an amazing opportunity for a young student to be able to come out of uh, public schools in a community college upon graduation with a credential and already job experience. And a lot of times we've had job signings uh, in the past where they've had full-time positions at the end of these internships with socioeconomic mobility. That's the next thing I'll add. Uh, we're focusing on things like nursing. We're focusing on things like mechatronics, robotics, electrical, HVAC, uh, construction trades. And so all of these interns that we're placing have socioeconomic mobility in these jobs, which going back to the My Future NC uh, momentum that we had built up before COVID, that's exactly what it's about. And it's exactly how North Carolina is going to be able to answer the call for these future jobs that we're going to need by 2030. 
But uh, in our little corner of the world, it's, it's helping our region stay relevant and stay competitive and providing a good livable wage for those students who desire to stay here. You tell us, I mean, you, you've touched a little bit on, you know, enrollment, what happened in the spring uh, in the fall for you all. Um, you certainly told us now about the Surayak and Works program. You know, moving forward, you know, what's the impact? So we saw this week in the General Assembly, a, a dollar figure announced uh, around budget stabilization, which I think was north of 60 million. Um, you know, we, we know that they're asking for north of 60 million on faculty pay. Give us a little bit of the state of play for your college. If, if those two pieces of legislation were to not happen, um, where does Surrey Community College find itself uh, a year from now? If those priorities are not funded, um, like I said, come July the 1st in the current state, I know uh, by looking at the budget projections, Surrey Community College is gonna lose $1.3 million off of a two-year uh, budget. Uh, and so the million gross that we had before COVID, we're immediately giving it back, but because of the two-year average, um, it, it allowed us to only lose 1.3 million uh, total. And so um, three years ago, we had to do a reduction in force at Surrey Community College because um, we did not have the state allocation that we needed to support our, our needs because of enrollment drops. And so um, what that means is I have already cut and I cut deeply uh, into that. We cut over $867,000 in one year with a reduction in force. Uh, and so we have been living in tumultuous time periods with steady enrollment declines. And uh, right when we saw a light at the end of the tunnel, uh, we had COVID occur. And so we went from, from looking up like we were going to finally reach our payday to immediately being thrown into a crisis and back into an enrollment uh, drop, free for all, uh, losing 7% of that enrollment uh, this past year. And so the bottom line is with all seriousness and soberness and without any gamemanship whatsoever, if Surrey Community College does not have intervention, I have no choice but to cut a to go into and cut where it is a less harm uh, because we have already cut the fat. And I know that our those that are listening in and I know in general, the way things work uh, is that you, you hide those cards and you preach doom and gloom, but it's really not doom and gloom. Nation, it is doom and gloom for us. And there are a lot of my sister institution and my peers that are far off, far worse off than Surrey Community College. They didn't get that year uh, spike and go into the decline with us in COVID. They didn't have that. And so a lot of my peers across the state of North Carolina are suffering and suffering mightily. And I've seen that. Some of them are facing 17, 18% losses. We're facing seven. Seven's bad. Uh, and without intervention, I'm gonna have to make cuts. 17% uh, losses are horrible. And I don't know what they do. I'll be honest with you. I have no idea what they do without intervention in that budget stabilization money to keep it stable. The next thing I will tell you is that our employees have not had a raise for a number of years. And even though um, you don't want to lick a gift horse in the mouth, so to speak, but when they did get the raises, 
they weren't even really enough to cover cost of living, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. uh, and one year, I remember we got a raise, but the health insurance went up as well at the same time. So it sort of kept you even. You didn't get ahead as an individual. The next thing I will tell you is that our salaries are not competitive. And I can give you real examples. Of, uh, we had uh, a nurse that went to Davidson and Davie uh, Community College because she lived that way. But she was driving uh, up to uh, Surrey and we were grateful to have her. And uh, Darren, my good friend, Darren Hartness, hired her. He got a great nurse and it was great for him. But we uh, advertised for that position going right into Christmas and right in. We went for three and a half weeks without a single applicant. And so it's not even we didn't get the applicant we desired. We had zero applicants uh, for that position. And part of it's because our salaries aren't competitive. And in my estimation, nursing salaries alone are probably $10,000 $10, too low, especially, and I'm not saying compared to business and industry. I'm not. I'm saying compared to our university partners and compared to other regions of the state and those type things, North Carolina Community College salaries were the third largest system, but we're also in the 40th, ranked in the 40th in our salary pay scales for our critical staff and our faculty. A lot of times we talk about faculty, but you have IT professionals on your staff. Uh, when you see the carnage that's happening with the ransomware and those type things, we're dealing with antiquated computer system with the state that's 20 some years old, it's not modern. You also have to have sophisticated staff now is what I'm saying. So the faculty and staff desperately need that 5% raise uh, just to be able to catch up from the years and years of salary compression that they've suffered. And that's just to get us ahead. And to me, those two things uh, must happen as well as the third priority for the IT modernization of our IT system. These things are all mission critical. And I would hate to say that you can do one without the other. Uh, we really desperately need all three in those budget priorities. Uh, if we lose any one of them, the budget stabilization, you lose that, you're going to send people home and you're digging that hole even deeper. Uh, but uh, I cannot understate the inability that we have to attract and pay uh, high level technical faculty and faculty for those positions. Uh, it is scary. Uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic. You have those instructional pressures already. The instruction is a lot harder in a pandemic and you can't fill positions in, in programs like nursing. Now I deviate from what does that mean to Surrey Community College? What does that mean for Northern Regional Hospital that we provide nurses and I serve on that board and they are short nurses. We do not have enough nurses at Northern Regional Hospital. It comes up every month at board meetings. And then we have neighboring Hugh Chatham Hospital that's in Elkin, North Carolina, that's in Surrey County. They're not getting their needs met. And then uh, if you look at the region, you have Novant and Wake Forest University and Baptist Hospital. Uh, a lot of our uh, students go there because they're not able to meet their needs out of Forsyth Tech in the university system. So not only does it impact Surrey Community College, it will impact the quality of our life and quality of healthcare in the state of North Carolina. And uh, that is not a quantum leap. Uh, it, it, you just followed the bread, the breadcrumb trails, and eventually uh, it impacts the, the lives of the uh, of North Carolina because this, what's happened in Surrey is happening to 57 community colleges all over this state are experiencing it. Some are a little bit better than Surrey, but a lot of them are getting hitting a lot harder than Surrey. 
especially in some of the eastern regions um, where they've lost a lot of jobs, where they're losing their hospitals and their hospitals are closing down. So there, it just, you keep piling these losses on and one faculty member does trigger into a tsunami. I, I guess the best thing, I'd go back to my physics days, the butterfly effect. Does a butterfly flapping its wings in Japan impact our weather? And the answer is yes, it does. It can impact the weather. Everything in our lives impacts uh, one another, one way or the other to the detriment or the benefit or the status quo. Um, not funding these programs uh, to the community college system in North Carolina does have significant impact in the future in North Carolina. Tell me, you know, we've talked a little bit about this and our extensive conversations over the years, and I don't want to belabor the point, but, and I think you touched on it pretty well, but, you know, I know you feel pretty passionate that the colleges have been not only good fiscal stewards, but have been forced to uh, sort of hold on by your fingernails at times during budget season. Can you talk to us just, a, I mean, just a brief sort of description of, you know, as you said, as a president who's been around for some time now, how does that play out for the colleges? And then, you know, what is the, what's the long-term consequence of that for leaders uh, and for senior staff at these colleges across the state? Um, it is very, very stressful uh to say the least um it's um last night uh, i'll be honest with you and it's not complaining it, i signed up for this i get paid for this um but you know you don't sleep much and and people say that tongue-in-cheek uh, you don't sleep much i'll repeat that and i tell that to aspiring leaders i said because you can't turn it off and i said it's very common that uh, for me to be up at one or two o'clock in the morning thinking about solutions thinking about problems because it's a lot of responsibility. Um, uh, these positions are um, carry a lot of responsibility for our communities and for student success and their lives. And, and some of the most um, humble people in the state of North Carolina come through our doors. And so it is a lot of pressure and you care so much about what you do that it carries a lot of stress. And um, at times when I go through this season, uh, there's anger. Uh, you get dogged out. You get just, you know, just mad dog angry sometimes. Uh, and it's hard to keep that composure. Uh, and I do have a beautiful relationship with my General Assembly members. Uh, we're blessed to have six <laughs> in this region, uh, three from the House and three senators who are all uh, very good at what they do. And we're very, very blessed to have them. Uh, and so, and then some of them I'm personal friends with, and I can have these conversations with them and be honest with them. Um, this job has changed just in the eight years or going on uh, eight and a half to nine that I've been at Surrey. I have seen it change and, and being at uh, Caldwell Community College back where you grew up and, um, and mentored by Dr. Kenneth Boham, um, I have seen it change in being close to him uh, and as close as being as executive vice president for a number of years. And so very, very close to the job and seeing the, uh, the intricate nature of the budgeting processes and how do you manage your resources and how do you understand how to leverage every, to turn a penny into a dime and how precious that is um, and to get those resources and to make it work. Um, 
the job has changed in eight years and it the pressure never leaves. And that maybe that's the best way to describe it. The budget pressure never leaves. It's not just when they, the General Assembly goes into session, it never leaves. And so uh, it's exhausting, uh, yet rewarding. At times, it, it's, uh, you become very, very angry to the point where you would, uh, as the old saying uh, would say, you'd let your alligator mouth overrun your Mickey Mouse rear end. Uh, and you have to hold that passion when you are passionate about it uh, because you do get angry. But at the same time, um, I was also mentored uh, and uh, it was Jeff Hockaday that uh, one time told me in training uh, that um, a president has to be an eternal optimist. You, No matter what's coming, you always have to believe that better days are around the corner. Uh, you cannot allow your 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 executive team, and they do see me get frustrated. They do see that anger. They do see the passion. Uh, they do see the good days, uh, but you cannot ever let the college get into that state and stay in that state uh, very long. You have to be an optimist because um, if you allow yourself to become a martyr, you'll become a martyr and, and you will not be effective. And so it's a constant uh, pep talk. It's a constant grab yourself up by the bootstraps. Uh, you get beat down, you get back up and you keep going back for more. And that's what it feels like And it. But I will say that in these days, it's very, very exhausting. And sometimes you uh, wonder how much longer you wanna do this. Um, and that sounds back into what I said, don't do. But yes, I'm not going to lie to uh, those that are listening. There are days when you say, how much longer can I do this? And how much longer is it detrimental for my uh, emotional and physical well-being along the way? Uh, at, at what cost do you keep doing this uh, position? Very, very blessed by the position. But those blessings do come at a cost. And so that's for me personally. But for the college, uh, I can't think of a greater work to be a part of in changing people's lives and helping them have uh, the emotional, uh, the financial, and the uh, and the gratification that you see on their faces when they're able to achieve something in their life that they did not think it was possible to change not only their lives but the lives of their children. Uh, graduation days make it. It's also in the political season, but those graduation days and events when you get to see that. Uh, or you get to see a, a student achieve an award like Phi Theta Kappa Honor Society, and you see them get that, and you see those parents' faces, uh, basic law enforcement graduates, you see the pride of those uh, uh, law, future law enforcement officers going out there and doing it right. So much is uh, viewed into the negative light, but doing it right, that's what makes it worthwhile. But a lot of times, um, going back to your original question, it's brutal. It, it, it's brutal and you experience about every emotion. Uh, sometimes in a matter of the same day, you can experience every emotion known to man uh, as we go through the political season. And, uh, and that's the best way I can describe it. Um, and being truthful, it, it's very complex um, and it's more than about resources. So much of the political is about money and resources. Um, and what a shame it is, because uh, you have to have those money and resources, but it's what's represented by what you do with those resources. And I would dare not say, um, having been an old Marine, uh, we were the smallest, but we also, in our hearts, we believe that we were the most fierce fighting force in the world. Uh, 
as a uh, as a group. We were small, but what we made up in um, in being small, we made up in our strength and our creativity and adapting and overcome. I feel like in the community colleges, I'm exactly that same uh, attitude is that you improvise, adapt and overcome every day. And, and so uh, that's a long answer. And I know that I'm rambling, but but sometimes that's the way it feels. Uh, you're just getting tossed to and fro and you do the best you can. Well, you know, we, Mevin and I talk often at NC about the challenges facing everyone across the state and how lonely leadership can be. Uh, so thank you for giving us a peek behind the curtain. Uh, one more question and then we may have a, uh, well, maybe two more questions. <laughs> Could you tell us a little bit about uh, the impact of gear funding on your campus? I mean, that's another thing that's relatively new this year. I mean, have you all seen a, uh, that make a difference in workforce development as you have you as you transitioned uh, throughout the pandemic? You said the gear funding. Yes, sir. OK, making sure I heard that come through correctly. Um, the gear funding has made a difference for a lot of students in those technical uh, programs and being able to help them fund uh, and move forward. But the pandemic has also hurt the ability of those students to take advantage of those funds. And so I'm, I'm a proponent of those funds. Um, I was grateful. It, it allowed us to use funds that aren't financial aid eligible and to actually meet those needs because part of workforce development that we've done at Surrey over the last years is really focusing on the short-term workforce training. And, uh, and I know you've covered those uh, programs, but what am I talking short-term workforce training, truck driver training, uh, an eight-week program. Uh, my dad was a truck driver, uh, and majority of my life, and so I'm very intimate with, with that. It, it, is, it is a tough job. You're away from home, but eight weeks of training, fifty thousand dollars a year salary coming out. Uh, I don't know that there's any shorter training to get that much return on an investment. But those students aren't financial aid eligible, and so we have to a lot. And there, a lot of times, are some of our most humble students once again, uh, with the socioeconomics and in, in life. And um, so helping them uh, with that short-term workforce training, uh, helping students that, uh, that, um, that aren't financial aid eligible and don't have those resources to be able to have the resources that they need to complete that education and to see it all the way through to the end and or begin it to begin with, a large part of those get left out and left behind. And, and when you go to the federal level, to our federal uh, administrators, I think they should follow this lead and um, and at least make financial aid eligible for the short-term continuing education workforce training programs like the lineman program that exists at some of our colleges where you can go through 16 weeks of training and go out and make 40 fifty thousand dollar a year jobs with that certification um, and so at surrey it's helped us do a lot for those and scholarshiping those students to be able to uh, take advantage of it because they did not have that option or any resources because they're not financial aid eligible in many of those cases. So uh, I think what's to come, we're holding on to that money, but with COVID and the pandemic, what we found is that we those students can't take advantage of those funds. And so that's another way COVID hurt something that was gaining momentum that we were very, very excited and still very, very excited about. Has it made a difference? Yes, but not near to the level that it should have made a difference and will make a difference once we can come out of the other side of this pandemic. But on that note, I think maybe our final question, uh, you've been 
in the system for a, a good while, uh, and you've seen rural community colleges sort of continue to play uh, a role in their community, and, and obviously there's been the debates around consolidation, collaboration, and, and all of those things over the last couple of decades. You know, what do you see as the role for a rural community college moving forward? Um, having been in uh, Caldwell Community College, uh, stayed 16 years there, and it's a college I still love and will always love and be near and dear to my heart. Um, it's technically defined as rural. It's where you grew up, nation, but I never felt like it was rural. <laughs> And because of location, uh, we had Hickory, uh, Catawba County down the road and uh, had all the restaurants that you'd ever want to eat at and the shopping and that. And then you could be in Charlotte, Winston-Salem. Um, it's Surrey County where I live and Surrey Community College in Surrey and Yakin counties. It's, it's almost a mirror image of, of where I served 16 years and being here. Um, we border Forsyth County, and uh, so you have Winston-Salem, so you have all of those things uh, that would exist in your municipalities, uh, but we're still rural by definition. And so then you have, um, when you go to places like Roanoke, Jawan, and some of our sister institutions out there, they truly are rural, uh, Halifax and, um, and uh, some of those schools. And then you go to uh, Tri-County uh, Community College in Murphy, a uh, very rural and uh, and uh, Dr. Tipton Rogers is over there closer to three other state capitals than she is her own. And so, but I think our roles don't change much because um, it's real easy for me to look at my good friend, uh, Dr. Candy Dietemeyer at, at Central Piedmont and say, um, wow, all the resources and everything, but she also has big resources to pay for. And so, at the heart of uh, community colleges, the population that we serve and the workforce development that we serve, in my mind, has not changed from the beginning when uh, Dr. Dallas Heron charged us with take people wherever they are and take them as far as they want to go and get them there and to make it happen. Uh, that is core, I think, still in our mission. And whether you're in rural or you go to the urban areas, Urban areas have their challenges too. It, the, you know, Camelot's not always such a rosy picture. Uh, we often think of it being a, a panacea of all your, uh, everything being resolved and everything, but they also have poverty uh, in those areas as well. They also have people who live in more poverty than you do and the population that they have in those cities in Raleigh and, and, and uh, Charlotte they also have problems that I don't have at Surrey County. So I think all of those things, rural versus urban, sometimes level themselves out when we deal with people, when we deal with people, maybe not always resources, but our core mission doesn't, hasn't changed any. And uh, in those people that we consistently serve and our mission, it does not change. Now, there are challenges that we have in rural that are unique. COVID exposed another one of those challenges uh, and its bandwidth issues and uh, internet access. Um, it was real simple uh, in March. Hey, we're just going to throw everything online. Uh, sounds good. Great. We're ready to go. And then you find out that, um, that students don't have computers, uh, that they have to rely on Surrey Community College's resources to get their work in our labs, our learning labs, our libraries. Uh, they don't even have computers at home, so you got to figure out how do you loan them. 
Then you find out that they don't have internet, uh, high speed internet access at home. And so, um, and that we have a wonderful internet provider that is a regional provider. It's not an, uh, a, a national uh, in some areas. Well, when we all went home to do education and business and industry sent people home and teleworking, boy, their, their resources got tapped and went double and they just couldn't handle the demands. And so your internet was uh, jumping up and down. The beautiful thing with resources and help, uh, you and I can have this conversation while all of our schools are teleworking today. And, and, and we've had a, I've only seen a couple of times that, that maybe our communications have been interrupted today. And so that's a big improvement over last March. That's I think another example where, crisis, where a crisis brought in uh, good and now we're having to address these issues. But in rural uh, North Carolina, you can't just simply go online because those resources aren't there. Uh, superintendent yesterday at a Surrey Yak and Works meeting uh, said, you know, uh, last ice storm that we had, we were going to, we said, simply go virtual learning. Well, he said we had widespread power outage. There was no virtual learning. And he said that, you know, that threw us in for a curveball. So uh, I guess um, rural has unique challenges in a lot of ways with things like that, that, uh, that are more visible, but I would be remiss in saying that my friends in Charlotte and Raleigh have it easy because there are poor areas of those communities in those urban areas that even though it is available, it's not financially attainable or it doesn't exist equally there. And so um, uh, I know I'm, I'm, I'm rambling and I'm going all the way around it. It would be very easy to say, well, in rural, we're disadvantaged and, and that's just all there is to it. Um, we are disadvantaged in jobs. Um, and so uh, my role at Surrey Community College as president is, is to leverage programs like Surrey Yak and Works, to leverage every ounce of our resources to make sure that we can uh, maintain competitive because we don't have the critical mass of people that companies often look for. And we also have to take care of those wonderful companies that have been with us for uh, 50 years, 60 years in this community that uh, still need the workforce as well. And, um, and so those are the challenges that we balance that are more unique. But I, I, I don't wanna just simply paint this picture that woe is us. We have challenges, but so do urban areas that are unique to them. In a lot of cases, I would not I would not switch places for the challenges that I have in, in rural North Carolina for the urban challenges that they have and the scale of those challenges that they have either. And so, but at the root of it and concluding my answer is that whether you're in rural or urban, um, you have different challenges, but the core focus of the North Carolina Community College mission and the people we serve don't change very much. Uh, and, um, and it is representative of the community. That's a statistic that if you look at a stratified sample, and I learned that statement in grad school at NC State, but that stratified, uh, one of the things that's unique in community colleges across the nation is that community colleges typically reflect their communities. So in other words, if, if you're uh, 50% um, uh, 
uh, white and you're 50% African American, typically the population of that community college would be. Or if you're 50% or 25% Hispanic, 25% uh, African American, and 25% uh, percent, uh, Asian, and, and then 25% uh, Indian, you will probably reflect that percentage inside of your community college within a few percentage points, and it's uncanny. Uh, and so we're still reflective of our communities. We still have to serve our communities. We have challenges that are different, but I don't wanna necessarily pit rural against urban because our, our, my peers at those urban areas also have to deal with problems that I don't have. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, it's a North Carolina problem. And, um, and it's just like children are different. Uh, you cannot parent, uh, I have two boys and um, my two boys are very, very similar. My both boys are very, very different. Both boys are uh, have different needs. And so as their father, it, it, I can't treat them both the same. I have to treat uh, my oldest son different than I do my youngest son, whether it comes time for discipline or whether it comes time for praise or whether it comes time for compassion. I have to treat them differently because their needs are differently. And maybe that's the best answer I can give you. North Carolina has to, to treat uh, rural community colleges different, but we still have to take care of them as we do the urban. And we have to take care of them differently but at the end of the day, if you're going to be a good parent, both of those children have to know that they're loved and that that, that you are after their best interest. That's uh, probably in closing a nation. That's the best uh, analogy that I could give you in the way that I feel like it has to be done and the differences in the two. Well, thank you so much for the interview and the conversation. Uh, by the time people are listening to this, I think I'm going to be on the road to Surrey Community College. That's when we plan to publish it. So we'll look forward to, to being with you here soon. But thank you so much, as always. It's a pleasure seeing you again. And it's it's been my distinct pleasure to just share some insights, but also to share the stories from Surrey and Yakin County and Surrey Community College. It is uh, something that I'm very, very proud to be a part of. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our conversation with David Shockley. For more, including our upcoming content on Surrey Yatkin Works, check out ednc.org. If you have story ideas, thoughts on other folks we ought to interview, or ideas for programs we should come visit, tweet us at awake58nc or shoot us an email. You can find all of our contact information on our website. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you out on the road.